Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. From the ragged heart of the Rust Belt, this is Great Lakes Confidential with your hosts, Angie and Marty. Hey, welcome back to Great Lakes Confidential. One of the most festive, well, the most marvelous time of year here in, in the Great Lakes. It's fall. It's fall. And more importantly, we're coming up on November 10th, a day I like to call Gordon Lightfoot Awareness Day. Yeah. The, the anniversary of the day the Edmund Fitzgerald sunk on Lake Superior. The great Edmund Fitzgerald sinking November 10th, 1975. That was five years before I was born. Yeah, but still, you, you know all about it. We all know all about it in Michigan. It's a, sort of a, a cultural touch point in Michigan. And it's sort of weird why to wonder why. Like, why are we so focused on this ship that sank? Probably just because of the mystery around it. Well, there's multiple reasons that we're about to delve into Yeah, tell me, tell me, tell Hence me. the name. Well... <laughs> The uh, Edmund Fitzgerald, I mean, its history is, is much older than us. I mean, we weren't even alive when it crashed and died. Well, it didn't crash when it sank. Yeah. And everyone died. But, you know, we, we know it primarily through Gordon Lightfoot and his wonderful song, The Ed, the Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, or whatever it's officially called. We just call it the Edmund Fitzgerald song. But mm-hmm. Gordon Lightfoot, that great singer from neighboring Ontario, Canada, <laughs> who put that little ditty down and, and sort of... Uh, you know, next to next to uh, what's it? The poem Hiawatha. It's probably the greatest bit of Great Lakes lore that's been set into public popular culture, in my opinion. But um, yeah, getting back to the crash, the history of the crash for everyone who may not be aware, for people who are listening outside of Michigan and might not understand the uh, the uh, the what the Edmund Fitzgerald was. It was a uh, a lake freighter, a lake freighter. They're they're these giant. I mean, massive massive ships uh freighters like they 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 could basically you know be trans transatlantic freighters they're so big mm-hmm. you know they can tolerate so much but a problem with a lot of them is they're so big they can't actually leave the great lakes lake system right like they can't actually make it out of out of the great lakes they're basically designed to just stay in the great lakes and move uh things from different ports to different ports and people might not know this, but 
northern Michigan, uh, the UP, uh, northern Wisconsin, northern uh, Minnesota, filled with a lot of um, mines historically. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Upper Peninsula is well known for its old copper mines. And uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald was commissioned in 1958 to, you know, help move iron ore from the Duluth area down to the Toledo area mm. to, uh, you know, various stops in between, uh, mostly to, to feed the, uh, the need of steel for the auto industry. But so the Edmund Fitzgerald was the largest ship on the Great Lakes. Well, I don't know if it's the largest to ever be put on the Great Lakes, but in, in its time of service, it was the largest ship on the Great Lakes. And it uh, actually developed a bit of a following among um, people who used to follow ships, uh, people, you know, people who are fans of watching ships pass and whatnot, uh, you know, the, the residents of Port Huron and Sault Ste. Marie and other great ports that we have. Uh, there is an actual culture of people who like to go and watch the ships pass, and I count ourselves among them. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, um, hello, yep. that would be us. Go and sit and watch these massive beasts just shimmy on down the waterway. Well, the Sulaks, which we'll we'll visit again. And, later and, this episode. Yeah, and well, I mean, but like we'll actually mm-hmm. go to the Sioux again and we'll do another episode based on what we see up there. But I'm just fascinated by the Sulaks mm-hmm. just in general. So Just how that all works. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. I could sit there all day long if you can bring me food and drink while I just sit you know, on those bleachers that Sitting they've the got. Big, the big stand they got. Yeah. It's almost like being at a horse race. It like is. Like a big viewing deck. <laughs> watching I love a horse it. Race. Yeah, it's so much fun watching these boats come through the, 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 the lock system. and just the, It's incredible. The simple yet miraculous engineering yeah. phenomenon. Love miracle it. known as the locks. It's just pretty crazy that you can level out two different uh, levels of water and move a ship through like a little ship elevator. Bananas. Yeah. So they became, uh, you know, it became kind of a famous ship for ship watchers. Uh, I would say that that uh, it was uh, something that that uh, the 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 Edmund Fitzgerald sort of courted a lot of that. They knew that uh, a lot of people paid attention to them they, because it was the largest ship. It was mm-hmm. a workhorse ship that was just constantly in motion. So, you know, uh, your odds of seeing it come through a port at any given day were pretty good. The uh, captain, the original captain, from what I understand, used to. Um, play music really loudly as he came down through uh, Lake St. Clair and through the Detroit River. So, uh, you know, all the people in the Metro Detroit area, the Metro Windsor area, um, you know, may remember the ship for basically being the party ship with Captain DJ coming through. Uh, yeah, his name was uh, Peter Pulser. Yeah, Peter Pulser. Not yep. Peter, what's it? Not that guy who ran for president back, Peter Paulson. Not Peter Paulson. <laughs> Peter Pulser, P-U-L-C-E-R. Yeah. So it could be Polker, but yeah. And when they were going through the Sioux locks, he apparently would also, uh, you know, have a little running dialogue for everybody sitting and watching. He would just talk to everybody. So, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, us ship watchers really like to like to see that kind of stuff. <laughs> we enjoy seeing that stuff. So the Edmund Fitzgerald was a bit of a celebrity on the lakes before uh, the tragic events of November 10th. You know, when I say we celebrate... Uh, that day we don't really celebrate it's no. more of a memorial day yeah, like we're yeah. not you know going out for drink specials on the edmund fitzgerald day here in, in michigan maybe up north i don't know right but uh generally it's it's just a, a day for recognition to recognize what happened right and what did happen well 29 people died 29 people died the ship what's interesting is that um 
Well, also something else that was that I found that was interesting. You know, you're talking about the captain, the DJ captain, mm-hmm. which I I love that. Like I can picture it in my head, and I just love it so much. The captain who was in charge the night of the wreck, mm-hmm. uh, his name was Captain Ernest McSorley. Mm-hmm. It was actually his last voyage before retirement. Oh no! So it's it's super sad, yeah. right? I mean, it's sad anyways. Right. But. So him and his 28 crew members, thankfully, I mean, obviously, again, it's tragic what happened, but the Edmund Fitzgerald also sometimes took passengers on it. Um, I don't know how long, you know, if they would, they probably didn't travel all the way, you know, from like Detroit to Minnesota you know, like they I mean, would they have, they may have. Yeah. But there were times when, when, mm-hmm. you know, regular people, quote unquote, were allowed on the ship. And it just so happens that there were no, it was no only crew members. Right. Yes. It was only crew members on, on, on that night. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. I mean, on that night, there was just a massive storm on, uh, raging across, uh, Lake, Sa- Lake Superior, a massive storm. And the, uh, Edmund Fitzgerald was leaving its port from uh, Superior, Wisconsin, which is uh, east of Duluth, was near the Apostle Islands there. Okay. Superior, Wisconsin, was leaving the port there with another ship, uh, the SS Arthur Anderson, was kind of right, shadowing it. Uh, both the ships were loaded up with iron ore, headed out uh, towards Toledo. I believe it was that the final destination they were headed to, or I think they were going to Detroit, maybe. I think the Edmund Fitzgerald was bound for Detroit that down, that night. Yeah, I don't recall, but it was definitely right, you definitely know. a route that it, that they've taken many times before yeah. in the past seventeen years. Yeah, and uh, the storm was really whipping up, and the two ships were in communication, and uh, you know they, they 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 lost visual sight of each other. They were a few miles separated on the lake, and uh, were mainly communicating through. Um, through CB and whatnot, and um, one of the last messages received from from the uh, the Edmund Fitzgerald to the Arthur Anderson, I wrote it down right here. It says, uh, "I have a bad list." This is from the Edmund Fitzgerald mm-hmm. to the Arthur Anderson. I have a bad list. Lost both radars and am taking heavy seas over the deck. One of the worst seas I've been in. That was followed shortly later uh, with a final call from. The Edmund Fitzgerald, letting them know at the, at the Arthur Anderson that we are holding our own. Yeah. Exact quote. Last words from Captain McSorley. We are holding our own. Shortly afterwards, the Edmund Fitzgerald just disappeared. Gone. Gone. It took 192 days before they found the actual wreckage. Mm-hmm. So there's sto- there's stories online that claim that it was found four days later but it wasn't really found. It mm-hmm. was they found some debris and stuff. They found they actually found two lifeboats and a life jacket when the mm-hmm. rescue ship showed up. But at that point, they couldn't they couldn't actually find the right. wreckage. They were using the technology that they had, and they thought that they saw like a large thing mm-hmm. under the water. But it was it, they they didn't actually find the wreckage underneath the water until May of the following year. So it was 192 days Mm -hmm. before they actually found the wreckage of the ship. And still, even when they found the wreckage, they went down and they still, no no bodies anywhere. Mm -hmm. So they were like, what happened? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they didn't didn't do a full um, excursion. I don't know if the technology was possible then. 
what they did find was this massive ship, the, the biggest ship on the lake, split in half mm-hmm. on the floor of the Great Lakes. Which 530 is, feet down. Yeah, which is where the mystery really comes from. Like, what could split this giant yeah. ship? I mean, the ship was, you know, filled to the gills with iron ore pellets, taconite iron. I mean, I don't know. To me, it seems like anything could have split it, really. The... Uh, the weight alone, if there was some sort of structural defect, could have just split through the seams. There's a, a few different um, a few different hypotheses on what happened. Are you familiar with some of these? Um, I'm familiar with some of them, and I don't. I want you to tell me yours before I tell you the one thing that I saw. The one thing you saw, or the one thing like the, what I want to say did it? Just go. Mishu Peshu, the underwater panther. No, okay. <laughs> All right. The, the theories that I have here are the um, the uh, the cargo hold flooding mm-hmm. uh, that that maybe the uh, you know they were taking on water that they weren't aware of and and uh, also attached to that theory is the um, theory that they may have actually hit a shoal mm-hmm. at one point and ruptured the hull and not even recognized it. Uh, to me, the most fascinating one is the rogue wave theory mm-hmm. that there was a phenomenon where called the three sisters. Yep, on the I Great saw Lakes. that. Yeah, where, uh, you know, these three giant waves just hit it back to back to back, and it just took on too much water. Well, and they say that, the you know, all of the, um, what is it called, records of weather stuff that were mm-hmm. that were going on, they say that November 9th and November 10th, they had, like, hurricane force winds out there, which yeah. is insane when you think about being inland yeah as far as we are that we would have winds that strong i mean but also yeah. like you know what's considered hurricane force mm-hmm. is that like 80, 80. 90 miles per hour yeah. so and they also say you know from the things that i've read they also say that during that time of year there usually were pretty bad storms in mm-hmm. november up there so it's like, yeah, you can see it happening. I I found some some images, some like infographics that showed the ship and it showed like the waves that would have come up and mm-hmm. and hit like these waves had to have been over 20 feet tall. Yeah. Which is huge. But they are also to go along with those theories of those of the three sisters, the water came up and and in, but it also went where it wasn't supposed to because they didn't they're thinking that things weren't closed properly that the latches were undone for certain parts of the boat because they just i guess they didn't expect rough water yeah yeah which is silly because i mean you know for people who aren't familiar with the great lakes and lake superior in general you know you hear lake you just think it's this nice you know, placid, yeah. non, you know, this 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 body of water that, that barely ripples. Not Lake Superior. No, Lake Superior is, is a wild <laughs> sea. It's, yeah. It's it's cold. It's deep. It's deep. It's cold. Um, just the storms that rage across it mm-hmm. and the waves. Well, and like I said, they found it 530 feet deep, but mm-hmm. the actual, like the deepest part of Lake Superior is something like 1,300 feet deep. Yeah. So... That's pretty deep. Yeah, like this wasn't. This didn't even go down in the the, the deepest part. Yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's it's wild up mm-hmm. there. It's it's the it's the wild seas. Yeah. Um, like hurricane force winds d- don't surprise me at all. Right. You know, this is where weather just whips up across that that lake. Yeah. One of the theories, and I didn't delve into it much because it was like, okay, this is cuckoo bananas. Mm-hmm. 
One of the theories is that the reason why it broke into the way that it did and nobody was no there was never a body recovered, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, is because of aliens. Yeah. Well, I think I can disprove that theory. <laughs> I think the reason why bodies were never recovered is because that's just not practice. What that's just what they they don't recover bodies with shipwrecks. Well, also the other thing is um, because Lake Superior is as cold as it is. This is mm-hmm. something I learned today while I was reading some stuff. It's very interesting. I'd had no idea. So generally speaking, a body that is in water will float, and the mm-hmm. reason being is because there's bacteria in the water that kind of like infest your body or whatever mm-hmm. and because of the the temperature of the water well in lake superior being as cold as it is those bodies went absolutely nowhere because there was no bacteria right. invading the bodies mm-hmm. there's nothing to bloat those bodies i know right. it sounds super gross and i apologize no but it's true like, but it's that's just the that those are the facts of decomposition it. Right. causes gases which exactly would float the body to the surface exactly so there's never been a body that has come up out of there no decomposition. because there can't be yeah scientifically it's not going to happen unless Global warming. Oh my God, I didn't think of that. That would be crazy. Well, that's a, I mean, that's a story for another day, but global Oof. warming is causing all sorts of problems oh, like that, man. especially in Russia with the permafrost. But uh, that's not our problem. No, no, no. And it's, well, We're it is ta- our problem, but it's not our, our podcast. problem is the Great Lakes. <laughs> it's not our podcast. Right. So. Not our podcast. We'll find another yeah. Joy Road Media podcast <laughs> to, to cover that one. Right. Um, where is it going to go? No, getting into like just maritime tradition, especially on the Great Lakes. If a ship goes down, you leave it. You leave it. You don't. You don't recover bodies. Right. You don't recover anything. Um, that's now a grave site. Uh, it's it's very not good. Yeah. To go and you know pull things from a shipwreck. You know it's it's pretty immoral. Yeah, like you said, it is a it's a grave site now. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely a grave site. You know about the guy in like '94 that went looking down there, right, and saw yeah. a body. Yeah. And then he wrote a book about it and included photos, two photos of the body that they had seen. Mm-hmm. And family members were all sorts of peeved about it. As well and, they should be. Right, and that's exactly what they said was this is my, somebody said, this is my father's grave site. You wouldn't do that at the cemetery down the road. Right. Why are you down there and and disrupting somebody's final resting place? Like yeah. you can't do that. There have been certain artifacts that have uh, surfaced from the uh, Edmund Fitzgerald, though, at uh, museums throughout the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I've made a short little list of this. Uh, sites of interest involving the Edmund Fitzgerald. I mean, number one would be Whitefish Point, which yeah. is probably the closest to the shore where the ship went down. 17 miles away. 17 miles offshore. Mm-hmm. Lightfish Point up in the UP. Um, there's a nice little lighthouse there. It's- have you been? I've been through there. Okay, I I've really been there. Out. I know you have. I know you have, and I know you've been there to yeah. buy to to Quam to Quamanon Falls. Sorry, my mouth isn't working right now. <laughs> to Quamanon Falls, it's right near there in Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you it's beautiful you know, know where to Quamanon Falls is, just hook a hook a left and shoot up to the the north coast there and check out the uh, the Whitefish Point. To Quamanon, do 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 do. Quamanon, do 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 do. Anyways. But yeah, they have the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum there, mm-hmm. which um, has the bell Yes, that was on the Edmund Fitzgerald. When did they bring that up? Do you know? I don't. I want to say it was... Because uh, it, was, it was some time after. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. 100% on that. And then the anchor is located at the Dawson Great Lakes Museum on Belle Isle, which I haven't been to yet, but I really want to go. Have you ever seen uh, pictures of that place? Um, Actually, isn't that where Gambit and I went like a couple of years ago? Possibly. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah, because we went to Belle Isle that day, and we went to the aquarium, and we went to the museum. So we may have seen it. And Did you see anything didn't... about boats? Yeah, we saw... Yeah, then you were probably like... at the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Duh. Wow. But they have the anchor there. And now you and I went to the uh, National Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum yes. in Toledo. Yes. And they have... Uh, I imagine that may have been one of the, the lifeboats... Oh that yeah, we, we did see we did see that, that first day. Yeah, not only see it, we touched it. We did. It was yeah. very kind of, I don't know if you're supposed to. I'm not giving anyone advice to go and touch the Edmund Fitzgerald stuff. At the, there wasn't a sign that said you couldn't. There wasn't a sign that said you couldn't, and it was just too tempting. I just it was had to, had to see what that fabric was made Listen, out of. Listen, if you don't know me, here's a fact: I'm a child. Mm-hmm. If you tell me not to touch something, I'm probably going to touch it. Yes. I touch everything. Mm-hmm. I apologize. It's all right. We'll send a postcard to him. Let him know we're sorry <laughs> about that. It was me. Sorry. But yeah, the National Great Lakes Museum in Toledo. Is I loved that. Highly place. recommended. What there is a uh, an actually decommissioned freighter. Um, do you remember the name of it? I don't I do remember not. it offhand. But a decommissioned freighter that you can tour, and it was, it was pretty inexpensive for the tour, mm-hmm. like only a couple of dollars. Yeah. And we went on it, and just. Standing on it made me think of the Edmund Fitzgerald. It was creepy. It was terrifying. Oh, my God. When you're standing on that deck and you're thinking about a ship that size, something that size just listing back and forth and 20-foot waves crashing over it in the middle of Lake Superior. And that that one was not nearly as large as what the Edmund Fitzgerald was. Mm -hmm. Just standing on there, first of all, standing on the deck was very like overwhelming because it was so big like you like you felt like a speck you're basically standing on a 70 story building on its side and then you could like look down you could come down a couple of stairs and go on like a landing Mm -hmm. but like um the inside the cargo hall yeah the cargo i mean oh my god like it's massive just thinking about it's just, so, it was huge. You could play a football game inside you of it. You could. It was, it was. It was gigantic. Oh my God. And to stand massive. on there is just, just awe-inspiring. It thing is. about being on this thing while it's, you know, being destroyed in the Great Lakes. Do you remember, um, we also saw, you could, you could um, tour the whole ship, most of the ship. I think mm-hmm. there may have been one or two places that you could not get into, but you could tour the ship and there would be, um like their living quarters so we saw the kitchen that they would yeah. use then they and we saw the beds that they would sleep in and everything seemed very small compared yeah. to the size of the ship but do you remember the sign and it just made me really giggle because you're thinking you're, you're thinking about men on ships you're mm-hmm. thinking about seamen and and you know navy guys or whatever and there's signs in the, I believe it was right when you walk into like the mess hall type thing that says no profanity. Yeah. And it just struck me as super funny because it's like, it's just a lot of dudes on this boat yeah. that are probably out to sea for quite some time. But they're Midwestern nice. But you know what I mean? It's like, we don't, we don't oh, do that. Oh, golly. We don't do that here. <laughs> oh, golly. It looks really... like a heck of a storm coming up. But it was so cool. With the exception of the massive amount of spiders. Yeah. I... <laughs> that was super yeah. gross but and speaking of spiders that takes us back to Sault Ste. Marie which is really oh the, my god really the focal point of our journey here 
into the Edmund Fitzgerald and the Sioux Locks and the spiders at the Tower of History. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, Take a vag there. Beautiful place to visit. Great observation deck, but uh, ooh, the spiders. Yeah, we'll go back, but I'll have to wear like a like an emergency poncho or something because yeah. it gives me the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it. Super, super gross. So, yeah. But yes, great, great shipwreck museums all over the place. Love them. Just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, and if you're a fan of the lake freighters like we are, we highly recommend Sault Ste. Marie yeah. and the Sioux Locks. Yeah. So do you know how long the Edmund Fitzgerald was? Like how how big it was, how long it was, how wide it was, how much it weighed? You know, like 700 feet. It was 729 feet long, Mm -hmm. 75 feet wide. So you're thinking multiple, it's like the size of almost two and a half football fields long. Mm -hmm. And it weighed 13,632 tons. Now that's without all of the stuff that was on it. Right, which would probably triple the weight. Yeah, yeah. So you got to think if, you you know, if the ship is being whipped around in in these winds, it probably wasn't that difficult for it to snap in half the way that it did. That's what I'm thinking, too, with this heavy load right in the middle. Like, um, you know, I appreciate that it's something where people are always going to talk about, like what sank the Edmund Fitzgerald. But, you know, you know what? What sank the Edmund Fitzgerald? Ambition. Ambition (laughs) is what's the same thing that sank Icarus with his waxy wings. You know, you flew too close to the sun, Edmund Fitzgerald. And that's what uh, that that's what brought you down. What were you <laughs> signaling at? Sorry. Oh, I'm just asking if you had more because I just have a few facts, but you, I don't want to. You go on with your facts. We're pretty. Mo- we're wrapping it up. This okay. Is, you know. Well, I thought it was interesting um, because in it was actually in '57 when the ship was contracted to be built, mm-hmm. and it was contracted by Northwestern Mutual Insurance Company. Mm-hmm. And it was contracted to Great Lakes Engineering Works of Ecorse, Michigan, so mm-hmm. close by us. Right. Northwestern Mutual apparently had invested pretty heavily in iron and mineral industries, mm-hmm. so that's why they wanted this ship. It was the first insurance. They were the first insurance company to to build its own ship. Mm-hmm. The Edmund Fitzgerald was named after the owner of the company yep, the president of of the insurance company mm-hmm. do you know how much it cost to build the ship 25 dollars in 50s in the 50s you are very wrong <laughs> i don't do math so Inflation i don't know how many is times a mother. right right um it actually cost 8.4 million dollars in 1957 mm-hmm. to build it which would be about 79 million dollars today that's crazy i know it's so funny because, I mean, outside of, you know, being in Port Huron and being in Sault Ste. Marie, like you probably don't think too much about, you know, how vast the, the shipping industry still mm-hmm. is on the Great Lakes. And it's always been. Yeah. Um, with that being one of the prime routes, you know, coming out of Lake Superior down, you know, to Lake Erie and over. So it's just, you know, it's just funny to me to think like, like wow, that seems like a, a heavy investment. But how much money and ore are they still taking out every year? Right. So if you remember correctly, a couple of weeks ago, or I don't have any concept of time, but yes, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a trivia question on our social media about how many ports we have mm-hmm. in the state. And there are five of them. Do you remember where they are? Um, that are actually legitimate like shipping ports? Yes. International shipping ports in the Great Lakes. Can I guess? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's say... Um, Sault Ste. Marie, Port Huron. Mm-hmm. Is Benton Harbor one? No, it is not. Okay. Is uh, 
Is Port Austin an actual port or just kind of a fun place to get a burger? It's just a fun place to get a burger. Okay. Um, how about... It well, may be a port, but it's not a. It's not oh, an well, international seaport. Right. I mean, uh, Muskegon or Ludington. Muskegon. What, Muskegon. All right. So you said Sault Ste. Marie, Muskegon. And Port Huron. Port Huron is one. Uh, and there's two more, you say. Is mm-hmm. Escanaba a port? Or no. Is it a port near? No. You're missing like the... like. Detroit. Detroit. Okay. Yeah, that was a, that was a gimme. Was... <laughs> okay, what's the fifth one? The fifth one is actually two cities, but it's Bay City and Saginaw. Oh, okay. So Bay City, Saginaw, they're very close together. Mm-hmm. They're next part door. of the Tri Cities. Yes, yeah. So so that's the four: Port Huron, Bay City, Saginaw, Muskegon, Sault Ste. Marie, and then Detroit. So you're okay. hitting all kind of yeah, you know, corners. Not really corners, but you know, sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea. I thought that was very interesting. The other thing that I thought was really interesting, um, and it's really the last fact that I have, there have been, and I don't know when they started recording this, so I can't tell you like in this many years, but there have been 7,000 recorded shipwrecks in the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. And only, this is interesting because you think about how Lake Superior is and the weather and, you know, whatnot out there. Only 5% of those were in Lake Superior. Mm. And with these 7,000 recorded shipwrecks, 30,000 lives have been lost. Wow. I mean, it makes sense. Did it say uh, which lake has the most shipwrecks? I would guess probably Michigan or Erie. Um, it did not. I'm sure that that's something that you probably know, Michigan. we could look up. But it's Both those lakes. I mean, you know, Lake Superior, it's it's kind of that long haul kind of mm-hmm. freight, freighting, freighting. <laughs> that you know long long haul freighters coming out of there uh you know coming out of duluth and around whereas uh you know michigan and erie people just making crosses across the lake yeah so well and and lake michigan gets a lot of kind of goofy weather too right yeah. coming out of yeah, illinois and minnesota and wisconsin all being over there i know that that lake affront gets yeah, kind of yeah, crazy lake effect lake yeah lake effect Lake of Front is good. Lake of Front, whatever. No, Lake of Front, I like. That's like when you get offended. I take Lake of Front to that. Listen, it's been a really long week. I hear you. Let's wrap it up. Let's, all right, all time right. Time to send right. our guests home with, uh, with a little hot plate. Oh, yeah. Make a little plate of uh, leftovers. Yeah, make for sure you ya. take a plate of food with you. Yeah. <laughs> take the good Tupperware. It doesn't matter whenever you get it back to us. Indeed. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, no, this is interesting. I love this stuff. I um I'm excited to get back up north and and check out the Sulaks again yeah, and too. you know, discover some more good places to eat. Maritime mm. museums. I love it. And maritime museums. Yeah, it's so much fun. So listen, if you have a, a story or something to add in, in regards to the Edmund Fitzgerald, I would we would love to hear it. So mm-hmm. you can send us an email, greatlakesconfidential at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. We would love to hear your stories, any, any fun facts you got, any of that stuff. So um, in the meantime, I guess we're going to head on out. So yeah, text us when you get home. Alrighty. Peace out, Girl Scout. Thank you for listening to Great Lakes Confidential with your hosts, Angie and Marty. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. For more information on today's topic, check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Great Lakes Confidential.